Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Wayne Rooney to my John Eustace. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Good day to you, Peachy. Good Christmas? It's been it's been good. It's been nice and chilled, not not too hectic as it, as it usually is. It's, it's been good. How's yours been? Mine was good. Mine was really good, actually. Um, it, it was a bit different because I had quite an uncomfortable sensation going on with me right. um, over the Christmas period. Um, so on Christmas Eve, I got my hair cut and the barber halfway through said, do you want a nose wax? And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, go on then. That was a mistake. It was one of the most painful experiences of my life. He may as well have just punched me in the nose because it was awful. And then for the past few days, my nose has just not only been absolutely immaculately hairless, but quite uncomfortable because I've not been used to this sensation. I did not expect that at all. I Yeah. I mean, your face is always quite hairy, as listeners will, will well know. You, you, you've got a big bushy beard usually, and it has mm. been, I can see it has been trimmed, but I never usually look as deep into your face as your, as your nostrils. So yeah, I mean, fair play. You, you've, you've gone there, you've got in there, you've, you've got in full pelt. That is, that is an incredible effort. But, but why did you feel conscious about your nose hairs or was it just a no. convenience? I just thought, you know what, it's Christmas and I'll treat myself. And it wasn't a treat at all. It's 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 been a strange few days having no hair in my nostrils. And every so often I'll just put a couple of fingers like either side of the middle of my nose and just be like, oh, there's no hair there. I'm bold really, of the nostril. Really I'm bold yes. of the nostril. Exactly. Well, I hope everyone else listening had a good Christmas, whether you celebrate it or not. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're here to talk about the Boxing Day fixtures in the championship. And what a Boxing Day it has been at both ends of the table. Some massive, massive results. Of course, Ipswich v Leicester, which we'll get on to very shortly. Pretty much as big as it gets in the championship, isn't it? But a huge shake-up at the bottom of the table as well. So we'll go through all the games from Boxing Day. Then we will finish off with our predictions and Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. We'll begin with the first meeting of the season between the two pace setters in the championship, Ipswich v Leicester. And it finished one all after a 93rd minute own goal by Yannick Vestergaard. We have got to remember these two record-breaking starts in the championship. Of course, Leicester won more points after 23 games than any other team in the division. And Ipswich were not far behind them in terms of the record-breaking start, weren't they? So the first meeting of these two this season's been waiting for it, haven't we, Justin? Oh, yeah. And it finally got it. And what a dramatic end to this game. I mean, in terms of just the tension and the 
you know, the action. I I loved every single minute of it. Well, when you talk about when we talk about drama, you know, we've had a yeah you know, penalty shout, we've had late equaliser, we've had Ipswich almost control and dominate the game in terms of chances and Leicester not really getting to gear and, and obviously you know, Leicester take the lead against Rudder Play. You know, there's a lot, a lot to this game that just you know, lived, almost lived up to expectation, even though it was a one-one draw. I guess it, yeah, maybe viewers of the game may have ex- expected a three-three wonder game, but you know, in terms of a tactical battle as well, this was this was top because it's the two best tacticians in the league this season as well. In Kieran McKenna and Enzo Maresca, you've got style of play over functionality. It was yeah, a really really good battle. Yeah, can I just get one of my cliches out of my big bag oh, of cliches? Great advert for the championship, it was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the limbs at the end as well. I mean, Ipswich will be feeling like this was a win. Yeah, them, absolutely. Wasn't it? Against uh, arguably the best team we've ever seen at this level. And so for them to get something from it, uh, you know, massive, massive thing for them. But I mean, it was a deserved equaliser, wasn't it? Leicester mm-hmm. just didn't control the game well enough in that second half. And it felt like an equaliser was coming and this... Leicester have missed a golden opportunity to go nine points clear. Yeah, they have. They have. And I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I mean, how many teams come away from Portman Road with a point, let alone three points? So it's certainly going to feel feel sore because they were leading so late. But Ipswich, they 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 needed they needed to get the goal because they needed to give the the, the stadium a lift. It's so late, and again, they needed to bounce back from that really poor defeat against Leeds. So to, to come away with a, a late equaliser is massive. But from a Leicester point of view, did they do enough across the ninety minutes to win it? Not really. They need to start games faster because that's a a big issue for them. Um, and if they do, they will they will put teams or any team in a division away quite quite comfortably. But it wasn't to be, and Ipswich showed the character that they showed for the majority of the season by getting back into it so late. Yeah, and Ipswich had so many good opportunities mm. to shoot just before that, and, and didn't take them. I mean, Nathan Broadhead, one of the most trigger happy players in exactly. the division, just refused to <laughs> shoot. And I've got no skin in the game, but I was just shouting at my TV repeatedly in the final twenty minutes, shoot! <laughs> and my neighbours must have thought I had gone absolutely mad. So, of course, the equaliser was very unlucky from a Leicester perspective, but they didn't help themselves with some very loose passing. Uh, for some reason, they kept just playing crossfield passes mm. between the fullbacks, and it's like, why are you doing this? Uh, but does this result mean much in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. Obviously, it's a huge, huge meeting between these two because they have been two of the best teams we've ever seen after these first 23 games. Um, but, you know, I'd still be quite shocked if Leicester didn't go on to win the league quite handedly. They could have made the job a lot easier for themselves if they just saw this game out, though, couldn't they? Uh, there was a penalty claimed by Leicester for a foul on Kin and Dewsbury Hall just before the goal as well. Mm. Was that a, a pen for you, Peachy? It, it was. For me, it was a stonewaller. Uh, I, I think um, Burgess has got a lot of ground to make up. He's coming in from a, a fair distance and he's coming in at a pace and, he, and he's... he's, he's He's not. He's not pushed. He's barged. Getting just Hall completely off the ball, and yeah, it's quite poor. The ref has missed. Has missed. It's a big game as well. It's a big game. You've got to get that decision right. And obviously, Leicester come away with the three points, and you know, enhance their lead at the top of the table if they if they get that penalty and put it away. Not not the case. Nitsch, which got back into it. So yeah, from a Leicester perspective, you're going to feel very very bitter that wasn't given. Yeah, it was a penalty. I'm not sure I'd go as far to say Stonewaller. I think it's probably a category down. But yeah, it, it was right. a it, it well it was a penalty. I think <laughs> the, the the referee was perhaps a bit blindsided from a from a where he was standing because there was a Wolfenden who was stood in the way. But you know, still V-A-R. probably was a penalty. V-A-R. Just don't say that dirty <laughs> word around here. Um, whatever the case, a great result for Ipswich and. 
a great way to bounce back after taking a bit of a hiding against Leeds just before Christmas. We have got to remember the difference in resources between these two sides. Leicester starting 11 for this game cost £121 million. Ipswich's cost £8 million. So for Ipswich Town to be anywhere near Leicester City in the league and let alone arguably outplaying them in this game is just remarkable. Yeah, it, it is. I think outplaying them might be a bit of a strong word. I think it's a, a decent debate I to have. I say arguably. Arguably, yeah. Arguably, they were the better side, I think would be the better way I'd phrase it anyway. But nonetheless, I think Ipswich were the better side. And I think it is a a, a good indicator of where where they've come under Kieran McKenna because, again, a lot of this squad was assembled under Paul Cook. It has, it has had a... You know, a some players come in under under Kieran McKenna, but again, a lot of the side was was a that that scramble of recruitment when the, the new owners came in over that summer, um, and it's been pieced together by by McKenna. I think that's got to be got to be louded as well. But I think it's a, a big indicator of where the championship is at the moment as well, because you know the big budget teams are making up a lot of the top four, but it's which are very much gate crashing that. And you know, again, if you have got a lot of clubs that are run like them, then they can they can lay a glove on the teams that are uh, above them. It's not, they haven't really been on the kind of uh, similar path to Brentford and Luton where their recruitment was just absolutely spot on. Their recruitment hasn't been bad by any means. They just haven't been as busy as you might think. What has been the key to their success has been Kieran McKenna just being a fucking good coach. And that's, you know, we talk about him quite a lot on this show and I imagine neutral fans are probably getting quite annoyed about him talk about us talking about him all the time. But there is a reason why we do it because his, the main reason for Ipswich's success this season is him just being a fantastic manager who's getting players playing above their level. You've got lads like Massimo Luongo, Sam Morsey, who are the other side of, the wrong side of 30 now, not really played in the Premier League before in their career and are now playing like Premier League midfielders. You've got others like Connor Chaplin, uh, Wes Burns, for example, players who have been pretty much football league players, you know, mid to late 20s. And they are also playing like some of the best attackers in the division. It's absolutely remarkable. And it's all down to Kieran McKenna managing to get these players playing above their level and you know, he's got them playing above their level quite a few levels, hasn't he? Because it's just ridiculous what we're seeing with Ipswich this season. The point you make about Sam Moisey and Massimo Longo and the signings that they've made over the past couple of years, how have they played for teams? How often have they played for teams competing for the you know, playoff places in the Championship or the top end of the Championship? You know, Sam Moisey played for Wigan, uh, Middlesbrough, you know, not particularly at the time he was playing for them. They weren't chasing promotion. Massimo Longo, Sheffield Wednesday, QPR, again, not promotion, not promotion chasing size for championship. You know, these are players who have had to step up and step up again. So they've stepped up to the championship and now they're having to step up again to be uh, a promotion contender within the championship. It's, it really is um, you know, a, a huge, huge task. Um, and Kieran McKenna's fulfilling it and, and more and then some. It's incredible. Yeah, he really, really is. Well, Leicester stay top of the table on 59 points. Ipswich six points behind them in second. They do play again just under a month from now. So uh, we've got another clash between these two coming up very soon. Let's crack on with the rest of the teams looking for automatic promotion. Preston 2 leads 1. It's a very Leeds thing to do to smash their direct rivals for promotion 4-0 and then lose to a Preston side who had just won three games from 60 in a few days later. Justin, <laughs> what was 
Elan Meslier doing? He was Barney. sent off early in the second half for pushing Militon as in the face. Why why would you do that, Elian? Why? <laughs> He's being a very, very silly man. I mean, it's the reaction of a of a young man who didn't get his links Africa this year, isn't it? That's that's what it is. Uh yeah, still still reeling from the Lack of uh, lack of gifts set um, on Christmas Day from a from a grandparent. I, I do think Asmai sh- shouldn't be going down the way you did. But at the end of the day, if you Just put your hand he, in, if you put your hand in the face of the opposition, you're asking for a red card. He's bought the red card there, yeah. hasn't he, Asmai? She's like, oh, you're doing that, are you? Well, I'll just do this then and. See you later, Elon. And um, I've got to say, I was a bit surprised when Leeds got their penalty and I looked to see who was taking it. I was, yeah. is that Pascal Stroik? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the centre back taking them? Who's ta- who's? How's this happened? I, anyone, I had a look. Anyone and, but Bamford. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a look. That was the first penalty he's ever taken him, but he scored it. So fair play. Um, we we said after the Ipswich game that win will be pointless if they fail to win at Preston on Boxing Day, and that's what's happened. They're not going to. Catch Ipswich, Justin. If they keep dropping points in games, they have to be winning like this, aren't they? Yeah, and I think this is the key thing, the key point that you've got to get across. It's not about the points. Well, no, it is about the points. Getting points on the board is important, but it's about momentum. It's about consistency. It's about the psychology of of bearing down on that top two. It's 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 making that mark because that that really was a damaging defeat for Ipswich, and they bounced back. They they played quite well against Leicester. Leeds didn't replicate their intensity or their quality in that game from the game. From the Ipswich game in this in this Preston fixture, they they didn't they they lack that certain edge that um, they had in uh, against Ipswich, and you can't be doing that. And, and as I say, you've got to generate that consistency. This is a key time of year to do it, and if you don't, you're going to find it really really difficult when you get to March, April, when again there's another cluster of games. Um, you're going to find it very difficult to well make up the points because you're going to be nine or ten points off off the top two by that point. Because as I say, you've not generated that consistency back in the back in the festive period it's a really important time to do it and they're not they keep you know shooting themselves in the foot do a very very leads thing as you said yeah they're, they're, it's very leads isn't it just repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot they've beaten Ipswich tri- twice and Leicester this season convincingly as well weren't they they were the much yeah. better team in all three of those games so we know what they're capable of However, they've won just two points from games against Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, Stoke, and now a Preston side who have been in terrible form. Now, I know you can't win every game, but why is it there's two sides to this Leeds team? Because they can be exceptional, but they can also look really flat. And that's why, for me, I'm becoming increasingly less convinced about them catching Ipswich, Justin, but just because the consistency isn't there with this Leeds team. I think their style of play doesn't help because they are a very, very good counter-attacking team. And if you're playing against a team who, you know, are quite comfortable in in handling a counter-attack, are you playing deep like a Sheffield Wednesday, like a Preston did in this game? You're going to find it difficult to break down, which is why Daniel Farker's got to um, not coach a different style of play, but have answers to that. And he hasn't had that yet. You know, they're very much suited to a team who are going to play on the front foot like an Ipswich, like a Leicester, because they can exploit space in behind, like Southampton as well. They can exploit space in behind. They can't do that against a deep block, which is what these teams... That's been a common theme of the poor lead results this season is they've come up against teams who have played a deep block, not been able to break them down. Um, and that's a, that's a key thing that Daniel Fark has got to try and... Got to try and um, well, get the better of, because if they don't, they're not going to get anywhere near the top two. 
Yeah, he's got to remedy it quickly, hasn't he? Because yeah. Leeds can't afford too many more slip-ups like like this. Liam Miller scored the winner for Preston. What a goal that was as well. He was a thorn in Leeds' side all afternoon. And he is one of those players who's a bit hit and miss. But when he's on it, he is such a thrilling player to watch for Preston this season, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a live wire when he's on it. Balls stick to him and his delivery can be excellent as well. I think the only issue is we've, we, well, we've got his... Are we seeing the best out of him positionally? Yeah, I think playing at left wing back, doing a really good job and his performances at left wing have been excellent. But can can we see more of him if he if he plays further forward? It might be something that Ryan Lone needs to tinker with. But he has had games where he has played further forward and not quite not quite delivered. And his best performances, as I say, have, have come at left wing back. But yeah, he's a player that this Preston team does need because I've said before it does lack creativity so when you've got a player who can turn the game on its head with that ball that he, that he played in for Alan Brown and obviously his goal as well um, yeah they need more players like that in that Preston team Well I remember us being very impressed with him on his debut against Plymouth back in September and we said he could be an important player for them because he looked so excited and looked so he, he looked like he gave Preston a bit of an X factor in that final third yeah. and then he's not really done much since then however if you saw him in just this game in isolation without any context, you'd be thinking he's one of the best players in the championship. So that's what he's capable of. We just need to see it a bit more often for him to be, you know, one of those players who really is one of the best in the division in terms of, you know, running at defenders and making things happen. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets a bit of interest in January, actually, because I think he's only on loan, isn't he, from uh, Basel mm -hmm. in Switzerland. So I think there may be a few suitors looking at him. In the battle of the two most handsome managers in the championship, Southampton smashed Swansea 5-0. Of course, Russell Martin against his former club. Don't think he's regretting that decision to leave based off this game, but a very impressive showing by Saints. Southampton's second goal was very funny. A complete disaster at the back by Swansea. Perfectly highlighted by Carl Rushworth doing the funniest air kick you may see all season. It's some very well-taken goals in there as well to give them their full credit. Um, Justin, I have been joking a lot recently about Southampton feeling like they're destined to finish fourth. And now I'm thinking maybe they're not because they've now moved ahead of Leeds and are only five points behind Ipswich. So what do you think? Have I perhaps been harsh and they are more of a top two contender than we've given them credit for? Fuck yeah. I, I don't know why you said it, to be honest. I, I think maybe there's a stronger a stronger case for them um, to, to be a top two contender. And I probably should have called you out on it a lot sooner and a lot stronger than, uh, um, than, than, than I have done because they... All right, Captain Hindsight. So this, yeah. is, this is all big talk from you all of a sudden. In fairness, Justin, it did look for quite a long time that... Southampton just weren't as good as Leeds, Ipswich and Leicester, did it? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fair case to make. But if you take August and September out of the equation, Southampton have been arguably the, the second, third best team in the, in the, in the league. Um, they've been more consistent than Leeds have, especially in, in their results. And they're obviously not losing games as well, which is a very good habit to have. They've got momentum. They've got plenty of quality. Russell Martin has sorted those defences, defensive issues he had in August and September. You know, big holes in their midfield. They're a lot more compact, a lot more difficult to break down. It feels like the squad is quite nicely balanced. It's very, very happy as well. You're looking at Ryan Fraser's impact coming off the bench, an example. He's, you know, when you've got subs that are happy to, well, not happy to, but, you know, content with being on the bench and coming on and making making an impact. It's, you know, it, 
it's a very good indicator of uh, where the squad's at. Um, and they're beating teams that they should be beating, which we're not seeing with Leeds. Boring one or two hiccups, of course. But yeah, I think they probably need to put a lot more respect on Southampton. Yeah, well, I think, I think you're absolutely fair, Justin. In my mind, for some reason, I can't picture Southampton finishing ahead of Ipswich or even Leeds. However, I struggle to explain why, because they are clearly very good. 16 games unbeaten now, so that's evidence that they're more consistent than Leeds are. Only the top two have scored more goals than them, and they've only conceded nine goals in the last 15, which is the best in the division in that time. I think Taylor harwood Bellis's addition has really helped with that. And they've clearly got one of the best squads in the league. Just look at the team. So I don't know why I've got it in my mind that... <laughs> They won't finish above Ipswich or Leeds because they seem to be at a similar level to them, don't they? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And as I say, it's that consistency that they've they've been able to do. And they've when they haven't played well, they still haven't lost as well. That's that's a key thing. They are they're good at breaking teams down. They're patient with the ball, and um, and they're not going to take unnecessary risks. I think that's a a big big thing. Okay, it can be a bit boring sometimes under Russell Martin, but I'd rather be a little bit boring and get results then be a little bit more heavy metal and uh, maybe lose a game 2-1 against Preston for example it's yeah, it's a big thing when you're tr- chasing automatic promotion and also what seems to have got the balance and blend quite nicely at the moment yeah perhaps it's because they haven't had too many wow performances I mean this win against Swansea definitely was a wow performance it also seemed like Southampton though are steadily getting better and better And that's quite worrying if you're an Ipswich Town or Leeds United fan. Swansea is 17th after this thumping. It's not all bad, though. They have Alan Sheehan in charge, and he is a very handsome man. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about a surprising scoreline at Vicarage Road, and we'll have a look at the relegation battle. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. A bit of a surprising scoreline at Vicarage Road on Boxing Day. Watford won Bristol City 4. Watford had only lost to Leicester and Ipswich since the start of October. So safe to say I wasn't expecting them to get thumped like this, but that's exactly what's happened. But look, they're flying all of a sudden, Bristol City, aren't they? Three wins from three. It's the first time they've won the three in a row in more than three years. And now up to eighth. And it's the Lee Manning effect, Justin. It's underway. The streakiness is over. We can, the the the, shriek, the the curse has been lifted. The Lee Johnson curse has been lifted. Bristol City have generated some consistency for the first time in, in however many years. You say, yeah, I think it's um, 
it's been a remarkable turn of results for, for Lee Manning because I don't think Bristol City have particularly dominated games. Uh, it's, not, it's not a criticism. I think it's just a, a balance of the quality that they've got in the squad and Lee Manning's tapping into it very, very slowly. I think that's a, that's a very good place to be. I think the crazy thing though, I think Manning has shown at MK Dons and Oxford he can be a slow starter, mostly in his performances. I don't think we've yet seen the control that these teams like to have in games. I don't think we've seen the, the passing potential that these teams can have in games uh, from that point of view. And once that settles, once it once it starts to click, I think we'll see a lot more clean sheets, a lot more control in those games. And maybe the, the games that they do play will become a lot less like uh, tennis games at times. But for me, they've got a squad that's capable of pushing for the top six. Top six might be a push. Uh, or finishing in the top six might be a push, but they've certainly got a squad capable of, of finishing in around it and asking those questions. And I think Liam Manning's looking at that and tapping into the quality of this squad. Yeah, spot on, Justin. Absolutely spot on. And this is the point we were making all along with Nigel Pearson. Yes, he did a decent job in the time that he was there. He, you know, did what he was asked of in the time that he was at Bristol City. Yeah. But a more progressive manager could lead to them having a decent crack at the playoffs. And that's what we're seeing now. It's a good, exciting young squad at Bristol City. Certainly better than it where it was in the table. Some very exciting players there. And yeah, it took a bit of time for Liam Manning to get them going, but they're going really, really well. And I won't be surprised to see them be quite active in January either. They're becoming increasingly more involved in the playoff picture, aren't they? So it's exciting times at Ashton Gate and let's see if they can continue this momentum and actually lay a pretty decent glove on the top six because there's quite a few teams having a good go at it and as we'll always say Justin there's only seemingly two places available with the top four pretty much being taken up by mm. the current top four so it's going to be tough but you know all they can do is just be still in reach in the second half of the season. The longer they're in reach, the more chance they've got. Uh, let's discuss the relegation battle then after it got a right shake-up on Boxing Day. We'll begin with Huddersfield, who got just their third win in 17 games under Darren Moore by thumping Blackburn. 3 Hill Huddersfield, scoring three and keeping a clean sheet. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Christmas miracle. Uh, a, a great Boxing Day for the Terriers, though. They won. QPR on Wednesday both lost. And it means they're now five points clear of the bottom three. I'm not sure how they're five points clear when they've only won three games in 18. But the table is looking pretty good all of a sudden if you're a Huddersfield fan. I think so. And I think a little bit of perspective is maybe needed for Huddersfield because I know a lot of suggested that Darren Moore's not getting the the right, uh, I say, the right chimes out of this Huddersfield squad. And you know, who, who's going to other than the, the GOAT? Uh, Neil Warnock but to his credit he's collected more points than Millwall Birmingham Preston QPR Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham during his time at Huddersfield he's lost just six games which is as many as Middlesbrough which might not be a a, a big thing because Middlesbrough have developed a good losing habit of late but it just shows you where Huddersfield are at the moment the squad isn't top half it's not even mid-table it's, it's bottom half they are where they should be so and, and he's getting more points than, than the rest of them I think that's a a pretty good place to be and I think as well if this game if this game shows anything it's that if, if it does click if the attacking quality is blended nicely with the defensive um, quality that they do, they do have Matty Pearson um, Michael Hellegg they're good players Lee Nichols when, when he's not making mistakes he's a very good goalkeeper um, they can frustrate teams and cause them problems um, Bergzorg's one that you know is a frustrating player to watch but He's, he's, he's clearly a gem in that side and they don't have too many, so you've got to tap into the quality that they have and they, and they did against Blackburn. Yeah, I, th I think you're right, Justin. Jack Rodoni as well is a very important yeah. player. He's one of the more talented ones in this squad, which is 
pretty poor, as we keep saying. And, you know, maybe them drawing all the time isn't actually a bad thing because it's given them a bit of a cushion all of a sudden, isn't it? But they are still a long way off safety. Don't make any mistake about that. And a busy January transfer window is imperative for them staying up. They need to sign quite a few players in January. But if they get to Jan with a nice big gap between them and the bottom three, that will be huge. I just hope the owners don't look at that table and think, oh, we don't need to spend any money after all. We'll be fine because they they definitely won't. They they need to bring they in need money. at least five players, yeah. I would say, in, a, in January. There's been talk of them getting Jordan Rhodes back from his loan at Blackpool, which could be interesting. He seems to have found the goal-scoring touch again all of a sudden. 15 goals in 19 down in League One and they need a striker. Um, so I'd be interested if that did happen, but it is quite a lengthy shopping list they've got down at uh, Huddersfield. So uh, yeah, we shall see how they do in January. Rotherham got their first win under Liam Richardson by beating Middlesbrough not at uh, 1-0. Not sure how they won it. They got absolutely battered and then scored from a wayward cross. That was their only shot on target. And it wasn't even an intended shot. And I think Michael Carrick said after the game, that was the first time I've ever had a football match where we lost without conceding a shot. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great quote, isn't it? This was the definition of smash and grab. If I was a if I was a fifteen year old once again playing FIFA and this happened to me. That controller's not making not making it after... Uh, well, he's not making it through the game, is it? Let's be honest, because you score from a cross, your goalkeeper is arguably man of the match, and he's getting congratulated by his own players at the end of the game. Shows you and tells you where that game has gone. And for me, I think that's the key thing that Liam Richardson's got to improve. They've got to be better at creating their own chances. Um, got to rely less on scoring crosses. Um, it's just it's not going to happen every game and they've got to they've really really got to and this is important they've really really got to um, tighten up because as a, as a side they concede too many they concede too many chances Victor Janssen is, is they're far too reliant on Victor Janssen which I mean he's there to do a job but he's really earning his pennies at the moment and I'm you know, sure if that improves then I'll rate their chances highly and I think Liam Richardson's the type of manager who can get more out of this team but have, have they got enough to stay up Still can't see it. Did you smash many controllers when you were playing the PlayStation? Um, the PS3 controller, to its credit, was very robust. <laughs> it was very, very robust. I've not, I've not had the temperament to do that to a PS4 or PS5 controller. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. They're expensive, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. I, I agree with you. I think Rotherham's chances of staying up are very slim still. They weren't playing very well at all under Matt Taylor. And you do well to find any Rotherham fan who genuinely thinks they've dramatically improved on the Liam Richardson because they haven't. If any Rotherham fan told you that, they'd be lying. They've actually been really poor so far under Richardson. And a very fluky win against Middlesbrough doesn't change that. So I... Seriously struggled to see them winning enough points to be higher than three other teams in the division. Of course, they've got January coming up, but they would need a dramatically good window to even give them a chance of staying up in my eyes. So ultimately, the squad is very poor. I don't think Liam Richardson's a good enough manager to make them play drastically better than they have done in the first half of the season. So that's why I would be amazed if Rotherham did stay up at this point. Don't want to completely rule them out. But it would be quite the turn for the books if they did manage to get out of the position they're currently in. Millwall got just their second win in 14 games after beating QPR 2-0. A big win for Joe Edwards. They had been struggling and have been looking over their shoulder a bit recently. So a huge result for him 
particularly against a team below them in the bottom three. QPR were flying initially under Marti Sifuentes, but it's now three losses in a row. Only one goal scored in their last four. Worrying, Justin. Yeah, look, I think it's very telling of the squad for me. It doesn't have the right balance. It never did. Sifuentes did really well to um, ride a very positive, happy wave, but he's he's, got, he's still got a lot of work to do. And, and look, there are still going to be bumpy times ahead for QPR. And obviously, you've got January coming up. Um, but for me, the squad is just too reliant on it, on individuals. You know, Elias Chair and Chris Willock. Um, but at the end of the day, they they uh, QPR have failed to score in eleven of the twenty four games so far this season. It's it's not a Sifuentes problem. The squad is just uh, imbalanced. Look at Lyndon Dykes. He confuses me as a player because. He's always felt like a square peg at QPR because he'd never really played to his strengths, even under Gareth Ainsworth. Um, and obviously without the ball, they are they are a soft touch. And again, that's going to take a lot more than a, uh, a month to, to address under Sifuentes because under, uh, under Ainsworth, they were retreat, be deep, be compact. And um, that's, yeah, it's a very hard habit to, to kick when you've been doing it for you know, six, seven months. Yeah, the Marty party is in a bit of a lull <laughs> right now, isn't it? They've been really poor. In these three losses, it's a big contrast to those three wins when they were great, didn't they? The turnaround yeah, from fantastic. those three wins to what we saw under Ainsworth was astonishing. And now it seems to have gone backwards. Going forwards, they have been so blunt. It's no surprise they've only scored one in four. Lyndon Dykes has offered absolutely nothing. And creatively, it's just Elias Chair. Perhaps Kenneth Paul too, actually, but hasn't been much else recently so it's quite a worrying drop-off and I'm mm. I'm still very much of the opinion that it's going to be three of QPR Rotherham Wednesday and Huddersfield who go down Rotherham are looking more likely than the others at this stage but it could very well go down to who does the best business in January because they all need to strengthen pretty badly and QPR are no different are they? No, and we saw the impact that Rotherham had last season. They signed Leo Helder, Sean Morrison, Jordan Hugo. They all came in last January and turned the team around. Having a good January, signing three or four really good individuals can can really prop you up, and it is important. It's so, so important. Um, it just depends if QPR have got any room to manoeuvre because the noise from Gareth Ainsworth over the summer, was, they didn't, they simply didn't. But... They do need they do need to uh, you know, address some imbalances and add some depth and quality to key areas because as you, as we know this squad quite isn't quite good enough to to sustain results and it needs to. Yeah, and we will keep saying this QPR squad is probably quite clearly the best out of the teams in the bottom four at the moment, but they still have to do some business because particularly going forwards, they've looked so, so poor recently. Sheffield Wednesday remains second bottom after losing 2-0 away at Coventry. Back-to-back losses for Wednesday. They gave a decent showing here, though. Definitely didn't roll over in this one. Coventry up to 13th now. 18 points from an available 27. Going very well on Mark Robbins' boys. Tatsuhiro Sakamoto's in brilliant form. Two goals for him here. A very fun player to watch at Coventry. Elsewhere, Mick Beale got his first win as Sunderland boss. They won 1-0 away at Hull. A great win for him. He's obviously started under a lot of pressure with fans. Not particularly enamoured with his appointment, even more so after getting spanked by Coventry in his first game. But this eases the pressure. Jude Bellingham in the crowd for this one again, watching his brother. He'll become Sutherland's number one fan if he keeps this up. And there was also a first win for Stephen Schumacher as Stoke boss. They won 3-1 away at Birmingham. Stoke's first win in 10 
So a cracking result with Schumacher at the wheel and to get him off the mark. Birmingham now 19th. They were 5th when, when Rain Rooney took over two months ago. In that time, they've won the fewest points in the division and there were loud boos at the full-time whistle with the Birmingham fans that were still there. And you feel like this can't go on for much longer, surely. Justin, you were going to say something? Yeah, I do want to ask. You, you mentioned that you're very confident it's going to be three of four teams uh, of Rotherham, QPR, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday to go down. At what point do we become become worried about Birmingham City under Wayne Rooney? Yeah, I think Birmingham are in the category of Millwall, Stoke, these teams who have just been playing pretty crap all season. And yes, Birmingham just seem to be on this massive slide. However, I personally struggle to see them finishing below the current bottom four. Because yeah. as as poor as they have been recently, you know, that squad is still pretty talented. And I also get the sense that Rain Rooney isn't longing for this job and they will get someone else in who you'd have thought would be doing a bit better than how they're doing now. I think it'll be harder to sack Rooney mainly because he's, he's Gary Cook's mate. But I think a, an interesting point that you that you brought in is Stoke and Millwall have made good managerial appointments. Birmingham have made a managerial appointment and it's not worked. So yeah, Millwall and Stoke have got that upward momentum, whereas Birmingham are flatlined and are dropping. And that's a worry for me. Okay, well, of course it's a worry, Justin. It's without a doubt a worry, but you'd have thought that Birmingham would have enough sense about them to accept soon that this experiment isn't working and it's time to get someone else in to save their season because these Birmingham owners are going to look like absolute tits if they get relegated after making this appointment. I mean, you could make a good argument that they already do, but as I say, I would still be quite surprised at this stage for that to actually happen, no matter how poor they've been recently. And Brandon Thomas Asante goal saw West Brom beat Norwich 1-0. Norwich were down to 10 men for nearly an hour after Boya Sainz was given a second yellow, so always going to be a diff- bit difficult for them to get back into this after West Brom scored. West Brom stay fifth with a three-point cushion inside the top six and the final game of the weekend Cardiff 2 Plymouth 2 a double for Morgan Whitaker 12 goals for the season for him what a season he's having the latest why are you pulling that face the Plymouth own goal you've got to mention the Plymouth own goal okay go on tell tell the listeners about it (laughs) this is this is peak this is peak own goals and gaffes um, and we don't see it very often. I feel like we've seen it a couple of times already. Um, but I can't remember. I think it was uh, Matt Butcher played a pass back to Mike Cooper, the Plymouth goalkeeper, who's nowhere near his goal. And it goes straight past him. And he's scrambling, he's scrambling, he's scrambling. And, and eventually it goes in. It was a, yeah, it, it's comical. It's comical own goal. You've got to watch it. It was Connor Hazard, actually, the goalkeeper. It was Connor Hazard. Still fantastic watching him frantically scramble back in slow motion. It's always good to watch it. It's always good to watch that. It doesn't matter who it is. The thing is, I saw it on a soccer Saturday. I was watching all the goals on there and I knew the goal had gone in. But for a split second, I thought, oh, he's going to get there. He's going to get there. Oh, no, he isn't. Oh, yeah, he is. And then it just slowly crawled over the line. It was good stuff. I enjoyed (laughs) that. That Christmas dinner weighing heavy on him. That's what it was. Yeah. He's had a few too many celebrations, hasn't he? Uh, Gus Poirier is the latest bookies' favourite to beat Plymouth's new manager, which would be interesting. I like that. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, they've had a few managers linked with them over the past few days, so we'll wait and see who actually comes in. Let's have a look ahead to the games on Friday then, Justin. So in each 
preview episode of the second tier. Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but it's bigger odds with the bookies than their opponents. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. It's one point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a CrossFit workout for myself. Justin will be doing a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back. The current scores are 29-19 to myself after I got a full house in the games just before Christmas. Justin only got his banker correct. A 10-point lead, Justin. Wow. We've seen teams drop leads like this in the, in the league. It can be done. It can be a derby in the 14-15 uh, season with top league by quite a way and bottled it. It can happen. It can happen. I appreciate your optimism because uh, I think maybe you should start looking on National Express now. You could probably get a good price if you book it early. Uh, Justin, what's your bank for the weekend? Or for Friday even? Yeah, well, it's still the weekend. Uh, Hipswich to win at home to, to QPR. seems a pretty straightforward one. Hipswich very good at not dropping points at home and QPR become very shy in front of goal and also picking up three points. So you'd expect Hipswich to, uh, to exploit that. Could Hipswich finally keep a clean sheet? Justin Peach will be amazed if it does happen. I tell you what, if they keep a clean sheet and don't win, I'm going to put my fist through my laptop. Fantastic. Um, My banker for Friday is Southampton to beat Plymouth at home. We spoke about them earlier, Southampton are flying. Plymouth yet to win an away game this season, so this one seems pretty straightforward from my perspective. My outsider is Sheffield Wednesday to win away at Preston. It was a great win for Preston against Leeds, but I'm not sure that's necessarily a corner turned for them. Of course, they have struggled quite a bit recently. Sheffield Wednesday have lost three of the last four, but have been unlucky. So completely feasible that they could get a win here. And what's your outsider, Justin? Bristol City to win away at Birmingham. Bristol City cooking under Liam Manning. Wayne Rooney serving up raw food on a weekly basis at Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit surprised to see Birmingham with the favourites for that mm. one. So. Good pick from you, Peachy. Now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Let me fucking shit, mate. Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions, and this week Justin is providing the questions to me. So what have you got for me, Justin Peach, you bastard? I want you to rank the former Birmingham managers by the win percentages. The managers are. Gianfranco Zola, Wayne Rooney, Lee Clark, and Steve Cotterill. Okay. I'll go Cotterill. Because I can't really recall how he did at Birmingham. It's quite a forgetful spell, but I'll go with him just on pure ignorance. ignorance, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then I'll go Clark, because he didn't do very well, but I don't think it was as terrible as the other two. And then I thought Zola and Rooney had the same win percentage, but maybe not. So I'll go Zola, Rooney. I do think it's not just league form. I think it's combined. Cup as well. Yeah. Um, fine. I'll, I'll put Rooney just above Zola then. Okay. You So you've gone with Cottrell, Clark, Rooney, Zola. Correct. You. Yeah, you're... It's just the front two, actually. Lee Clark's first. Lee Clark's first with 28%. Steve Cottrell with 21%. Wayne Rooney says he's got 18% and Zola's 15%. Mm, yeah, I think Zola might have had a cup game in there as well, which he yeah. lost. Because otherwise their, their, their records are quite staggeringly similar yeah. compared to how uh, they've done so far. Quick fun fact for you as well, or not a fun fact if you're a Birmingham fan. Birmingham have not had a manager uh, to hit 40%. Uh, a 40% win rate of their game since Chris Hutton, who left in 2012. Fucking hell. 
Christ. <laughs> okay, Justin, what's the next one? The next one is, um, yeah, rank the, the teams who had the best starts after 24 games. Uh, so I've got Wolves, 17-18, the Nuno Espirito Santo season. Sheffield yep. United of the 05-06 season. Reading of the 05-06 season. And Newcastle of the 16-17 season. Okay, I'll go straight on at this. Reading, Wolves... Newcastle or was it Newcastle? Newcastle yes. Sheffield, yeah, sixteen seventeen, not uh oh nine ten or yeah. I'll yeah. I'll knock Newcastle in there and then Sheffield United. Oh I thought you were cooking then. I thought you were cooking then. You you were just you were just off. You got uh, Sheffield United and Newcastle uh, the other way around. So Reading are of course top fifty nine points after twenty four games. Wolves are then second, fifty five points after twenty four games. Then it's Sheffield United, fifty three points. After 24 games, incredible 0506 season that was. Um, and then Newcastle, who had 51 points after 24 games. So I've been one off in both the questions so far. Yeah, you are close. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, the final question will see you over the line. I bloody hope so, because this is, this is so frustrating. Yes, yes. It is, I don't think it will. Um, but I want you to rank the most watched TV shows slash film, uh, films on Christmas Day this year. <laughs> so this is just pop on Christmas Day this year. Um, no, I don't think we did that uh, either. Anyway, uh, so your choices are Toy Story, Strictly Come Dancing, The King's Speech, not the film, the, the King making his speech. Oh, thank you. Because that will get confusing. Uh, and EastEnders, the Christmas special. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a very good question, actually, Justin. Fair play to you. I'll go King's Speech. It's only 15 minutes, guys. It's 15 Sorry. minutes. Is it 15 minutes or 10 minutes? It's not long, is it? So Anything I'm sure, over five, I'm I mean, switching off. It's dreadfully boring, but I, I'm surely people will have uh, tuned in for that. Then Toy Story, EastEnders. Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4, good yeah. film. All the Toy Stories are class, to be fair, yeah. aren't they? Um, I'll go Strictly, EastEnders, Toy Story 4. Holy shit, you've done it. Have I? Yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> I did not expect you to get it. Did not expect you to get it. Yes, the King's Speech. 5.9 million viewers. Appalling. Show more respect to our King. <laughs> Good old sausage hands. Um, Strictly, <laughs> Strictly was 5.3 million. EastEnders uh, dropping, it seems, to 3.6 million. And then Toy Story, just a measly 3.5 million I didn't realise it was on. It's a great film, though. Fantastic yeah, film. It is a great film. I didn't. I didn't watch it either, so I can't really, can't really complain here. But um, Toy Story Four is is a good, good end to the saga for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on in EastEnders anymore. Is uh, Archie still about? Who's Archie? Archie. Uh, I think he got killed on one Christmas. I don't know. Day. Is who's you know, who's the actor who plays Archie? Um, Larry Lamb? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I have he's no been idea. out of it for a few years now. Um, so that much shows how much I've been paying attention to <laughs> EastEnders. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This has been the Second Tier Podcast, and this has been our review of everything that kicked off on Boxing Day. We'll be back again on... I'm getting my days mixed up now. Is it Saturday? Yeah, because we've got games on Friday, and then Justin shaking his head. He doesn't have a clue. So we've got games on the Friday, so we'll be next back on Saturday to round up all those games then. So we look forward to seeing you then. As always, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on, we will greatly appreciate it. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Saturday. 
I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.